This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. The, quote, educated Negro have the attitude of contempt toward their own people because in their own as well as in their mixed schools, Negroes are taught to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, the Teuton, and to despise the African. Of the hundreds of Negro high schools recently examined by an expert in the United States Bureau of Education, only 18 offer a course taking up the history of the Negro. And in most of the Negro colleges and universities where the Negro is thought of, the race is studied only as a problem or dismissed as of little consequence. This is in the uh, chapter, The Seat of Trouble in the Miseducation of the Negro, a book that we are going to be examining in February of 2020 as part of a book club. These are the words of Carter G. Woodson, 1933. 1933, this book was written, published. And as I'm reading this, you know, and these are the quote unquote educated Negroes. Uh, in my travels, I realized that globally, the way black people are taught, either very little, not at all, or as a problem to be solved. There's very little conversation about Mansa Musa, the Candaces, Shaka Zulu, Hannibal, none of that. Even the, the black Amor of Shakespeare, no one talks about the Moors and, and how they conquered Italy and why there's such a, 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 a connection between Islam and Spanish and many of these, you know, no one talks about this, right? Because to put that into the, the education system is to validate a people. And to validate a people would mean that everything that's been said about them, all of the denigration has to be reexamined. And that would give us power, right? So I understand why I recently met with a, an official for a city who showed me the law that says that African history, African-American history has to be, is mandated, has to be taught, and yet it's not. It is a federal law that it has to be taught in schools, public schools throughout this country, and I'm talking about America right now, and it's not taught in black places where you would think they would make that a priority. It is not. And just like the conversation I had uh, on religion, a lot of the lens about how we see ourselves is through this same prism. Because if you are taught in school nothing about African Americans, nothing about African contributions to this thing called civilization, why would you ever think anything highly of them? No matter what your complexion, no matter what your background, if you're never taught about, if, if like I remember, I remember the one little chapter about black people in my history class at Mary Lawn of the Oranges Catholic High School. And it was that one day about the transatlantic slave trade and that picture still is indelibly marked in my mind of those bodies in the hold of a slave ship uh, stacked like cards. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember because I was only one of maybe three black kids in that class, all of the white kids kind of looking back at me and, and the two other people in my class at the time, I think it was Ronnie and Jody. And I'm like, what are y'all looking at? You know? And I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. Now, had I learned about Mansa Musa, had I learned about the Nubians, had I learned about the Candaces, had I learned about uh, Hepsetshut, have I, had I learned about all of these other, the Dora Malaja, uh, as seen in, uh, in Black Panther, who were actual people, 
fighters, warriors. Had I learned about them, I might have uh, thought differently. But, you know, still, there's no excuse, right? Because breadcrumbs are everywhere. And I talk about breadcrumbs a lot because in order to, to have uh, success in the breadcrumb dropping, first of all, breadcrumbs are usually dropped where? On the dirt. And it's breadcrumbs are usually dropped so that you can find your way. Unfortunately, though, some people are picking up the breadcrumbs and eating them. And therefore, they're losing their way because the breadcrumbs are no longer there on the pathway for the next person to follow. So we have to follow the breadcrumbs and not pick them up and eat them, but we have to digest where they're leading us and do the work in finding and following the clues to, to, to our salvation, really, to our freedom. Because as Carter G. Woodson in The Miseducation of the Negro is pointing out, our freedom is in our minds and in understanding who we are and understanding where we come from. And I mean all of us, all of humanity. And all of humanity started in Africa. And if we, if we don't have that narrative, then it's easy for people to destroy and to denigrate and to say these horrible things about us. In this book, he also, of course, talks about preachers, <laughs> you know, preachers who preach to the illiterate, which still happens throughout the world, right? People can't read Arabic, but yet they feel like Allah told them to go blow up this thing. But they haven't read it for themselves because they can't read Arabic, right? Folks sit, park their hind parts in churches all throughout this world without any understanding of what the Bible was really about because they haven't read it for themselves. And yes, just like this book club, you need the back and forth. But you have to first have read it. So the challenge here, of course, for you listening, read The Miseducation of the Negro. But... Also, read it and come to the table with questions, right? So Carter G. Woodson says, when the Negro has finished his education in our schools, then he has been equipped to begin the life of an Americanized or Europeanized white man. But before he steps from the threshold of his alma mater, he is told by his teachers that he must go back to his people, for whom he has been estranged by a vision of ideals, which in his disillusionment, he will realize that he cannot attain. I mean, it's sickness. It's sickness. And if, if, you know, we send our children to schools that don't teach them about themselves, that don't honor and validate who they are. And so for me, the, this podcast, this particular space right now is for you to ask yourself, who are you? It's a thread and a theme that I have been preaching throughout uh, the 200, 300 plus uh, podcasts that I've done so far. But it is one that is paramount to your freedom do you know yourself only through the lens of somebody else deborah's home was stolen no i don't mean thieves stole stuff i mean scammers literally stole her home the fbi calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes and this story is why you need home title lock Deborah says, criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. 
Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Do you know yourself only through what you've been taught, whether it's in your home? And I can't blame, we can't blame our parents or our grandparents or their parents because the system was set up and designed for us to not know who we are. Some of us go to the way extreme, you know, and we, you, we over-glamorize. We didn't all come from kings and queens, so let me just be clear. You know, the folks that were snatched up and, put through, and pushed through the doorway of no return, all of them were not kings and queens. Most of them were not. Most of them were people who were tradespeople and who were carpenters and who were, were cultivators of the land. You know, most of them were just hardworking people who got caught up in a system, right? I'm talking about slavery right now, right? But there's no shame in that either. Because without us, there's no, there's no um, economy in America, right? Without our ancestors. So, but if we just started that conversation, who were the people that were forced onto those ships and have that conversation? I think that would broaden our perspective of ourselves. But even beyond that, because we didn't all land here on ships, right? Some of us came willingly. Hello? Yes. Some of us were here before the slave ships. Yes. Yes. So what about that conversation? You know, and where where do we start to put together, you know, the, the, the narrative around who we are? You know, I would love to erase race. I would love to eliminate race from a conversation. But we have to first acknowledge that race was injected into our, our psyche because it was required to sustain this system. So let's let's deal with it. Let's let's go all in. And as we, we dissect this book, The Miseducation of the Negro, let's start with ourselves. So I want you to write down, you know, we, we talked about before history, you know, the things that you were taught that you no longer, that you now know were not true, like Columbus discovering America for me. Uh, last time I asked you, you know, what does God look like to you? Like, who is God in your life? And that's, that's a, a deep question that may require more time. This time I want you to a- answer this question, who are you? historically and answer it honestly right like how far back generationally can you go you know I can only go back five six generations and it's here Um, I did my African ancestry with Gina Page and I know that my people come from Sierra Leone and from Liberia before it was colonized right and I know that they were liberators I know that I know that the people on the Amistad were my people I know that right Um, But what does that mean to me today? And how does that shape and inform? Well, it really doesn't because I was this person before I found that out, right? It, It validated that the work that I do and that my sensibilities and my passions are rooted in something that is beyond me, that is in my DNA. But the 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 journey to self discovery came way before I took a DNA test. Right. And I think that's the work that we have to do. I think a lot of us are outward seeking, uh, looking for validation outside of ourselves. But until we can get comfortable with who we really are individually, we will never get comfortable with who we really are collectively. And so this exercise in doing this book club and this exercise in, in breaking down this book, The Miseducation of the Negro, is really about freeing people. It's really about having a conversation around why you were put here. You know, what is your purpose? 
And it's such an esoteric question, but it's one that you have to answer or else you will have an aimless existence. I get up every day completely knowing that I am here to do the work that I'm doing. And I know that I'm, I'm here to do the work because of how I feel when I get up. The, the, the drive that even in sickness, I'm in that space doing this work. Even when I'm not at my full 100% self, I get energized by it. There's no day off. When I'm off, I'm itchy. You know, when I'm forced to take vacation, I'm putting up air quotes around vacation. I'm constantly thinking about systems that we can put together and things that we can be doing together and how we can build our community and, and the, the, the work that we need to be doing and the books that we need to read. I can't stop. I can't turn it off. So I know that that is who I am. Who are you? Who are you? And if you haven't discovered that, because there are people in their 70s that haven't discovered that, no shame at all, because you still have breath in your body and time to discover it, right? So that has to be the mission. That has to be the way that we look at these things, right? Not, not from a point of like, well, I'm 70 and I haven't figured out what I was here to do. No, I'm 70 and thank God I still have breath in my body to discover that because it's never too late. There are people who have done things in their 70s, incredible things, gone back to school, um, started businesses. Uh, there are folks that have uh, volunteered their time to help the next generation do X, Y, and Z. There are so many things that you can figure out that you're supposed to do. So there's no time. And if you're a teenager in your 20s, man, you know, it's one of the things when I'm teaching, uh, one of the first things I do is to try to tap into that thing. Because a lot of kids are just in school because their parents want them, you know, you're supposed to get a degree and society says and blah, blah, blah. And I'm never going to, you know, uh, denigrate a formal education because I think it's important, but I also think it's more important that um, people seek themselves and seek who they are and what they're here to do than to go to school. Like I think it's more important that people go into, into the education system with a clear understanding of who they are. I think kids should travel probably travel the world and then go to school because now you're, you're going to school with a purpose, not just to get a degree, but why are you there? You know? And I feel like we don't empower young people to, to pursue that. So, uh, let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. And, uh, who are you? Hashtag podcast. Follow me at Karen Hunter. Also, of course, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Karen Hunter Show. And let's continue this conversation. I can't wait.